Hello, this is Harrison Kim, and you're listening to Working with People by PaveStep. The Working with People podcast is for executives, managers, and people leaders. We bring people experts together to provide you with relevant content on how to think about and manage your most important asset, your talent. We have Kate here with us today. Kate, how are you? Doing great. Thank you so much, Harrison, for having me. No, welcome. Where are you calling in from today? Calling in from uh, New York in Manhattan, where I've been going through the whole pandemic. So this has been an, an exciting and interesting experience. Absolutely. I'm right now in New York City as well, and it's crazy how empty it is. <laughs> it is. I went for a bike ride, and it never looked so empty in my life. Yeah. I've been around. I've been living in New York for the last eight, almost coming on nine years. So it has been differently a change. Yeah. So again, thanks for coming on. Today, we're going to be talking about how to actively engage your people who are remote. Before we get into the topic, just tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Sounds great. Thank you, Harrison. I work for a company called Gotham Culture. I've been with Gotham Culture for the last four years. And what we do is a, with a culture and leadership development consulting firm. And we're in a mission to make our clients successful. What's different about us is we do facilitate our discussions with partner with our clients and we solve problems together. Perfect. So let's dive right in. What are some of the challenges that remote employees have compared to employees in a typical physical workspace? I guess it's no longer typical, but in a physical space in terms of employee engagement. Yeah, sure. And now we at Gotham Culture, we've been working remotely for a long time because our team is very mm. dis dispersed around United States. And one, I see a great potential in working remotely, but also there are definitely unique challenges. Those could be coming from people who never worked in remote environment before. There is a learning curve. There is a learning curve in understanding the technology, how to work in a remote workspace, how to interact with other people, how to collaborate. And just like trying to stay away from biases and assumptions we usually make for cultural or social stereotypes. Sometimes mm. everybody has different working environment, working spaces at home. Some people have kids running around. Some people have dogs, you know, all this, and maybe they're very small spaces. If you think about Manhattan, Brooklyn, or New York, just making the assumption that spaces are usually pretty small. And if you're living with somebody in a small room, it's really, really tough sometimes to make calls. And it could be your bathroom that you're taking a call in or... You know, you're just trying to find a space or sometimes even finding a quiet space to take a call or not being distracted by what's happening in your common environment. Right. It's interesting you talk about the learning curve because I think while we've been doing remote work for a little bit, I guess it's almost three, four months now, I feel like some of the organizations haven't really given much thought around actually training their employees on how to work remotely. You know, it goes yeah. above and beyond just getting a laptop and getting internet connection at home, right? So. Yeah, but I also did that. And I think a lot of organizations also learning what their employees may need because I think mm -hmm. when disruptions have happened and, and pandemic happened, we were just, I think as organizations, a lot of organizations were learning how to respond. What's the best right. way to respond? What's the best way for our organization and employees? And I think it's just a lot to comprehend and deal with. And sometimes it may be coming from employees, like I need this, or I need more time, or I need something else, because I think we're learning from each other. And we're learning how to respond quickly and in this environment. Mm -hmm. So what are the most common reasons for disengagement mm -hmm. that are potentially different from the non-remote workforces? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think number one is distractions in the home office or your home space. Those personal like living situations. I think it's just really, really difficult sometimes to keep focus on and keeping engaged when, you know, other people in your environment running, screaming, just to think of the top of my head. And then maybe it's also, it could be overworking, like knowing that, you know, people are in their home offices, Mm -hmm. whatever they look like they maybe there's too much thrown in their plate and people make an assumption there is no place to go <laughs> continue working as much as you can and especially mm-hmm. if you love your job you continue working some of them could be different working situations so for example like working from home by yourself so it could be loneliness it could be not having like enough interactions except your phone or your screen which actually sometimes sucks your energy in right it could be any other Issues, for example, if you're not connecting well with your team or you're not finding enough space to talk about some things that's happening with work remotely. Again, I think it's coming back to your learning curve. Mm -hmm. And the point around overworking is really interesting because I think part of the reason why people are overworking is because their managers are providing them with a lot more work than before because they don't necessarily trust that you can be accountable that you can be productive when they're not looking and working with you physically. That insecurity sometimes creates more overwork because I'm like, oh, hey, I don't know what you're working on, so I'm going to give you more to make sure that you're always working. That's like one thing that I've seen. And I was actually surprised that people worked more, even just aside from point one, I was pretty surprised that people are working harder, that a lot of people that I've been talking to, they've been working harder during the quarantine. Exactly. I think I'm the case here as well. I think when it happened, I was living by myself. And I think I, if during the pandemic, I was mostly by myself for three months. Mm. And I think all the free time I had, I was like, I need to make something best of this time. Even, you know, giving sometimes time to relax, but mostly like I need to exercise my mind. I wanted to work. I wanted to figure out how to provide clients with resources they need during this time and how to help them learn and move into remote workforce. Mm-hmm. And I see that overburn that can happen. And mm-hmm. I think one of the things that really helped me is like maintaining a healthy lifestyle. It's definitely harder than it sounds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> definitely live and learn. <laughs> right. So as a manager or a leader, you're working with your teams through Zoom or any kind of other video conferencing tools out there. What are some of the telltale signs of disengagement that they should be looking at? Right. Some of them could include systematic checkout. So I don't mean, like during pandemic, I think managers should be looking at this kind of a lens, like a little bit step back and learning from their employees and just trying to understand, like, is it, do they see a disengagement, like lack of participation, Mm -hmm. lack of video, and just challenge themselves, whether it's coming from, they need to give their employees time to work remotely They need to give their employees time to adjust to the situation we're we're currently all in and experience in one way or another. Or is it coming from completely disengagement and not being able to perform? So some of the consistent systematic not showing up, not being participated in, you know, company meetings, turnover. I think it's a very lagging indicator in the back end. Being overtasked, like looking at how much task people have and they've been... Mm -hmm task with not as much and they're not turning work around in appropriate time frame. And I hope that appropriate time frame could be a little bit longer than a usual time frame, given the situation we're all in. 
Some of them could be, as you mentioned before, lack of trust. So, for example, trust is so important, especially right now, and a lot of companies that haven't been working remotely before. In a general sense, when you look at organization, what are our measurements of employee engagement that they currently have? And just challenging them, them, should they be the same as before? Some companies like employ a lot of engagement surveys or post-check, and some of them could use companies checking calls for asking in their employees, how do they feel? Like what's working? What's not working in the current mm-hmm. situation? Right. Looking for those signs and proactively reaching out to individual employees, whether it's named or anonymously. Right. But I think like proactively also can be challenged. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes we do get overburned with the amount of meetings we go through a day. And just <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> imagine they're all like not face to face. I feel like some people even have a easier time going through face-to-face meeting versus virtual because I think there is some some to it that during the virtual space there is more energy consumed by being virtual and being able to look great and the camera sound great mm-hmm. and then you're not just thinking about what you're saying but you're also thinking about how you're looking how there are other people looking at you just in a general sense it takes some energy out of you yeah and it's really funny that you mentioned that because I was just talking to a friend about this where when the whole remote work started and the, the lockdown started, rather, people were like, okay, everyone's got to be on camera. That's how you interact with people, make you feel a little bit more engaged. And then now I think a lot of organizations are talking about like, actually, you, know, you got to give people a little bit of a break because all of these video conferencing meetings are really draining on employees. And it's actually sometimes not good for engagement. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you see the after effect of one way thinking. Yeah, and then there are so many great articles about like challenging your, again, biases and assumptions that you make when people are on video or not on video. I think it's interesting because in my work, I use video a lot and I used it before from, for different reasons. So, for example, we had clients very dispersed around the United States and globally, and we we're trying to use technology as a way to enhance the participation and engagement mm-hmm. uh, without like and being cost efficient with amount of money we spent or on providing a solution. So for example, having those interactive workshops like on Zoom or any right. other platform that works for the client, but in a purpose of engagement. This is a little bit different for the purpose being versus over draining people on camera. Mm-hmm. And I was reading a lot about it as well, as you mentioned your conversation with a friend. Some things that if we're in camera, like some things that come to mind is using virtual backgrounds if people can use on their laptops and not just like, hey, you can use it. And when you see like one person with a virtual background and everybody else in their regular environment, you're like, oh, no, like, why didn't you show us your regular space? (laughs) (laughs) So it could be like, oh, let's all use virtual backgrounds or, you know, like you don't even have to turn your camera in as long as you participate or just show up find ways to celebrate as a team. Right. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. So you've already kind of touched on some of these initiatives to really engage these disengaged employees who may be going through a hard time, whether it's their personal life or their professional life. And it's not an easy time right now. So what are some of the other initiatives to keep a positive culture and really try to engage, re-engage these employees? Yeah, that's a great question. I think uh, what comes to mind is uh, what can organization currently do as a small culture hacks, or as you may call Mm. them, like action, like quick actions. I think it will differ from company to company, depending on the resources they have. And I think it's a great question they can ask their employees and say, like, what are some things that we can do to improve our culture, given this 
environment that we're currently in. Some of the other things can include looking at their measures. So how do you measure employee engagement? Is mm. it the survey? Do we employ the survey or do we overwhelm people now? And if we do a pulse check-in, do we ask how people feel and what would be helpful for them right now? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So when you think about engagement surveys and pulse data and things like that, in your line of work, and this is always like a question that's relevant, mm-hmm. not also in my role and just in the industry that we're in, is how do you think about like proving the ROI or the impact? There's a lot of data that you can collect, but sometimes it can be a little bit difficult to pinpoint A impacting B and therefore impacting your bottom line or turnover or whatever it may be. Yeah, that's a great question. I think it's definitely been a question for discussion over many years. Mm-hmm. But it, I think it comes down to what measures do you have in currently in place and do you see a link to those measures? So, for example, if you were measuring before, let's say, how much turnover do we have? Uh, or if you're measuring how people happy, do they see connected to our organizations? Do they see maybe the values being in place and do you see your employees behaving associated with those shared values? If Can you measure happiness for your employees and how does it look like? So it may look like differently in different sense. Mm-hmm. Or if, for example, it go back to your values. So for example, if maybe like number one of your main stakeholders, like my number one value is your stakeholders, right? Or mm-hmm, like I'm mm-hmm. ensuring happiness of your customers. So Okay, well, let's go back to your measures and see is maybe like it's uh, you're measuring happiness of your customers, but then how do you measure happiness of your customers? Like, let's look at your employee engagement and do you see that they're being engaged, they're being performing, like what kind of questions you're asking in those full surveys? But then mm-hmm. looking at if there is a correlation between the numbers and and just seeing it over time, I think over time will kind of give you a good sense of the data. Right. And diving in like one or two levels deeper to understand that, you know, not just at a high level, I think usually helps as well. Yeah, uh, that's a great point. When you see those numbers and you think about, okay, so what are some things that I can change or do differently? Mm -hmm. So like one small bite, does it work? Does it not work? I think it could be a good way of looking at this as well. Right. Awesome. Well, this is really, really helpful. I have one other fun question for you. Mm Mm-hmm. So I know you've been traveling a little bit. What has been your favorite place so far in the last two years of your travels? (laughs) Oh, I love this question. (laughs) Thank you for bringing it to life. It's so hard to answer because I think all the places are great for their own different purposes for me. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think the last trip that I made was with my friend to Kashmir, India. One of the places I would definitely consider going again with friends. It was one of the most beautiful place and not the place you would usually go, but the nature is so raw and like mm. untouched and there's a lot of beautiful scenes. Like, you know, you can go on hikes or you can go on lakes and it's just massively gorgeous. I cannot even describe it, but I think it, even the trip that I made like two years ago is still stuck like it was yesterday. That's awesome. I'll have to. What about you, Harrison? <laughs> well, I don't know if there's a favorite place because I haven't traveled a lot over the last two years. But my one of my favorite places to go is 
potentially may sound boring, but is Miami. <laughs> I love just going <laughs> to Miami during the winters. And my ideal type of vacation is where I go and actually relax, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's on the beach or it's a pool, whatever it is, just doing that. I think I enjoy that the most uh, rather than like going to do like seven different activities a day. So <laughs> just my personal. I hear. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds um, wonderful. I hope you can do it someplace. Sometime hopefully soon. soon. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Well, Kate, thank you for your time and coming on. Where can the audience find you and your thought leadership? We post a lot of blogs on our thought leadership on Gotham Culture blog. Same as LinkedIn. Perfect. Well, everyone, thank you for listening to Working With People by PaveStep. Feel free to check out other episodes on pavestep.com slash podcast. Thanks, Kate.